Well, it's uh, five o'clock then. Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show, live from BBG Towers in Salford. Lovely to be with you. Comment during the programme at any time you see fit through the website richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, the great Irish journalist and author John Waters joins the program. It's been some time since John was on. I don't need to tell you too much more about John, I don't think. He's got a fantastic website. Go to Substack, johnwaters.substack.com. His articles are terrific. So much to talk about with him a bit later on. Before that, we're off to the United States to chat with Jane. Jane Doe. Now, Jane is directly connected to a large military contractor. Like most military contractors, Jane's, or the one she's connected to, has federal contracts. The government has mandated the jab for all federal employees and contractors. Jane wants to speak for the tens of thousands of employees who face losing their jobs and their pensions. She reached out to me and joins me at this hour, in fact, in about 25 minutes' time. That, dear listener, is Wednesday's programme. It is the 20th of October, 2021. And when I say it's good to be with you... I mean it from the bottom of me old heart, me rusty old heart. So I do. I meant it to comment live through the website richieallen.co.uk. Boosters! Boosters! Get your boosters! Booster jabs! I've got them all! Boosters! Five pounds each or three for a tenner! Booster jabs! Get your boosters! The calls are growing louder to reintroduce the mask wearing and the distancing and the working from home. Why? Well, because the cases are on the rise and the booster programme isn't going as quickly as it could be going. And right about now, the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, is holding a news conference, so he is, to talk about, well, the booster programme and all of these calls to reintroduce the measures, the calls getting louder, despite the fact, dear listener, that 96 million jabs have been doled out in the UK. That's right, 96 million jabs have been doled out thus far here in the United Kingdom. And the cretins are happily coming forward again and again and again. Boosters! Get your boosters fast forward to the year 2024. Just picture it now. Come with me. Knock, knock. Open wide. Come with me through the other side. Knock, knock. Any more. Let's all jump to the year 2024. Can you imagine the talk shows in the mornings? Eh? Thanks for joining me, Health Secretary. What's the news on the 16th COVID jab? Well, thanks, Kay. Yes, we're starting off in the over 40s. Uh, but what about the over 75s? Uh, they're brown bread, Kay. They're dead, pushing up daisies. Fabulous. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, they're brown bread. They're dead. So we're starting the 16th booster on the over 40s. It's fabulous, isn't it, Kay? The COVID got the rest of them. Not the jabs. Jab them. Jab them. Jab them. Jab them. 
but the cases and the hospitalizations. Well, those numbers can't be trusted. Says who? Well, says Professor Sir Andrew Pollard, a developer of the Oxford AstraZeneca jab. He told BBC Radio 4 this morning, he said this. Well, I think we are doing the right thing at the moment in the rollout. And I think if, if we look at the current status of where we are, it's actually very different from last year. Uh, we do have a transmission in the community, but that's so largely amongst the vaccinated population who are very highly protected. And if we look at the people who are in hospital, it's an enormously different pattern from before. Listen carefully now. Um, in the, the, uh, the First of all, just to be sure about the numbers in hospital is very difficult because the way things are counted in, in the daily reporting is picking up a large proportion of people who are actually admitted for other reasons, but have been positive um, in the last month, because of course there's a lot of transmission in the community, so there are many people who were positive. So if, if someone's admitted for appendicitis or a road traffic accident and they're positive, they will appear in the daily numbers. They will appear in the daily numbers. I mean, he's just giving the entire game away there, and I'm not being melodramatic, and I am not overselling that which you just heard. He's given the whole game away. Yeah. You know, if they're admitted with appendicitis or if they're pulled out of a car crash there, uh, BBC Radio 4, they're counted if they test positive uh, for COVID or, or, or if they have done. Now, they were doing this from the beginning of last year, the beginning of this nonsense. They included people in the data if they died of a heart attack, a stroke, if they fell backwards out of a treehouse, cracked their skulls open and died. They were counted as a COVID death if at any time they tested positive for COVID. They're doing it today. They did it last year. They get away with it because the media is absent. And not only that, but last autumn, Oxford University published a paper on this, didn't Oxford University, and it warned that the death count for COVID might be wrong by a factor of tens of thousands. This was reported by the Times and the Telegraph, diametrically opposed editorials, you would, you would, you would have said, right? So it's not just the right wing, right? They said, no, 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 they're doing a terrible thing in the way they're counting the numbers. This whole thing should have fallen apart a long time ago. So yeah, the numbers are not great, says the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca guy, because, well, we're counting people as COVID cases that we shouldn't be doing. Did the presenter say to him, wow, wow, what a bombshell. Should we stop everything and start to look more closely at those people, those cases we do call COVID cases and death numbers, should we? No, no, the presenter just moved on. The presenter moved on. And yet this morning, NHS bosses, doctors, epidemiologists, anyone with analogy was citing the dodgy data as proof that we need to reintroduce restrictions on society. It gets worse. Adam Finn of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, he was on BBC Breakfast this morning and he said, well, you know, you know, the jabs only provide modest Yes, modest protection against catching COVID or passing it on. What kind of fuckery are you? Yeah, that was a bit loud. Uh, fuckery is the answer. Yes, the jabs only give you very modest protection, Adam Finn. Whether it's booster jabs or the rest of the vaccine programme, I'm afraid it's only very much part of the picture. And relying on the vaccine programme to kind of take care of the problem is, is not going to be a solution, I'm afraid. These vaccines are extremely good at preventing you from ending up in hospital or on a ventilator or even dying of this infection. Bullshit. 
but their ability to stop you actually getting the infection at all or passing it on it, are modest. That it, it obviously contributes to reducing transmission of the virus, but it by mo no means uh, solves the problem. Modest. Problem. So if now, the presenter would have been forgiven. Her name is Sally Nugent. She's on the BBC Breakfast Sofa, Sally Nugent. Sally could have been or would have been forgiven for interjecting there and saying, well, Professor Finn, if the protection against catching it or passing it on is only modest, surely you can understand why some people are very reticent to have the blooming thing. But she didn't. She sat there like a little dolly bird, said nothing. If we want to see figures going back down uh, and we want to reverse the current trend, which is up, uh, we're going to have to do more than that. And uh, it really is time that everyone got the message that they can't just go back to normal. He laughs when he says that, like it's funny. It's very funny, that. And uh, it really is time that everyone got the message that they can't just go back to normal <laughs> if they want uh, to avoid further restrictions later in the year. And what does Sally say? In fact, the NHS Confederation is saying it's now time to adapt basically and adopt the widespread use of face masks. Ah, you're a worthless wench, Sally. Worthless. Your grandparents would be ashamed of you. But there you are. What are you going to do? Laughing in her faces. It stops you getting sick, you know. Go on, have the jab. Modest protection against becoming, contracting COVID or passing it on. But, but you know, you won't be as sick if you have the jab. Really? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's mosey on over to BBC Radio 5 Live. It is broadcast from the very same building in Salford as BBC Breakfast, about three quarters of a mile away from where I sit now. Same building. Nicky Campbell was hosting the phone-in. He had a lot of grumblers on. Oh, why won't people just wear the masks? Why won't people just keep away from me? Why won't everybody have their jabs? That's what it was going like until Keith rang Nicky. Here is Keith with Nicky Campbell. Um, Keith, I... I'm just reading that you lost your wife to COVID. I'm so sorry. And my, my deepest um, sympathies to you. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Uh, yes, unfortunately. What, what prompted me to phone the show was the chap who referred to the Planet Normal podcast and said they hated Five Live. Mm. Now, I've <clears throat> my wife was an, amongst the most vulnerable people. She did have. COPD and type 2 diabetes and she got mum Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2017 and as a result of that she had lymphedema. So I, since it started in March 2020, have been extremely careful. We were both double jabbed. I was on, on the point of getting my loose jab. We both proved positive with COVID. She went into hospital, local hospital on Suddenly, the 10th of October, with their oxygen levels at 80%. Sorry, so can I just clarify? I'm so sorry to you. Was this post-vaccination? Yeah, post-vaccination. Yeah, she's at... She, she, we've both been double-jabbed, and she she went into hospital last Sunday, the 10th of October, with breathing difficulties. The COPD caused difficulties with her breathing, but they took her into the local hospital. She was on oxygen all the time. Had a sort of rather breathless conversation with her on Tuesday, the 12th of October. About one o'clock, she was struggling, and then I got a phone call from the hospital. She passed away in front of my very eyes at half past six that night. God love him. 
wouldn't wish it on anybody. She was double jabbed, probably quite a while ago, considering her condition, and she was about to get the third jab. Now, this is lost on the audience, presumably, and it's also lost on the host, Nikki Campbell. Keith continues. She was two days short of her 64th birthday, and it was two days short of our 32nd wedding anniversary. So I'm, I'm sorry, I get really intense when people are conspiracy theories say things don't exist. Why, why do you want to get a jab? I just, I, I don't know. They want to be in my shoes right now because I'm telling you, it's not a very nice place to be at the oh, moment. Oh, Keith, I'm so sorry for I what you've been I feel like I've been hit by a ten-ton sledgehammer. I bet you honest. do, and it's very brave of you to get in touch with us, and I know you've probably, and I think you said that, you've done so because you felt you, you should because of some of the stuff you were hearing. Uh, the Planet Normal podcast is, uh, it, it's, it's quite out there, one might say. Our, our listener referred to the fact uh, earlier on that he prefers to get his uh, his views, his facts uh, from from there. But I'm so sorry again for what you've been through, and so recently as well. Just what you said there, you, you wouldn't want people to walk in your shoes because it's a horrible no. place, horrible thing. No, it's to five, do. five weeks away from having another grandchild as well, which she was obviously looking forward to. Grandchild on the way as well. As I said, God love him. But has he given any thought at all, and maybe he hasn't because it's such a recent tragedy for him, but maybe he will wonder in the future if such an immunocompromised lady needed to be jabbed with that shite in the first place. Because we know the jabs are dangerous. Nicky Campbell knows the jabs are dangerous. The yellow card reporting data clearly demonstrates the jabs are dangerous. But God love Keith, it's not his fault. But it's ironic they were bringing people on to have a go at the so-called anti-vaxxers and lockdown sceptics. And they bring on a gentleman to talk about uh, his wife who passed away, who had been double jabbed and was waiting to have her third one. It's 14 minutes past five. James O'Brien, world champion wanker six years in a row, LBC radio presenter, wants everyone to shut up asking questions and just take the jabs, which is what passes as journalism in 2021. O'Brien also knows about the yellow card reporting system. He knows the jabs are unnecessary and dangerous. Uh, O'Brien knows there is no long-term data on these jabs, but he is a motherless mong. That's right, a motherless mong or mong, as they say in Manchester. They like to pronounce the hard G. He's a motherless mong. Think Deirdre Barlow. Uh, he shills for the Spondulix. O'Brien is worthless. See, here he is speaking with Sarah today. Quite rightly jab hesitant. She's a member of the public and a listener. This is a thing of beauty. You will hear Sarah first. The doctors themselves, we were told at the beginning it was vulnerable in the elderly, and then they changed, then they said, oh no, now it's middle-aged people. So what was? What, what, what was, Sarah? That pe what people were at risk. Okay, well, this is at the But there's, there's gradations of risk. And then they, so, yeah, so, so but, it's, all, it's still the case that the vulnerable and the elderly are at most risk, yeah. but, but younger people are at risk too. So if you walk into a road that's got 100 cars driving up it, okay, yeah. you're at risk. If you walk yeah. into a road that's got two cars driving up it, you're also at risk, but you're mm. at much greater risk in the middle of the road with 100 cars on it. That's all. The doctors haven't changed yeah. their advice at all. The people who told yeah. you Oprah Winfrey is in on it 
God, he's useless, O'Brien. That's about the worst analogy I ever heard in my life. I would say, using O'Brien's analogy, that the anti-vaxxer is the person who doesn't walk into the road at all and uses the footbridge to cross it. He's really dim, isn't he? This guy who really fancies himself as an intellectual. What a crap analogy. Anyway. Are the same people that are feeding you these lines now? Yeah. Aren't they? Well, uh, yeah, but the, but the one... The, what okay. I can't... What I'm struggling with is that one of the big conspiracies was about these passports. I know you must think I'm mental. I don't think you're mental, sir. I've heard the people. I've read the people. I know you are. I know it's shining through. (laughs) You you are. I I have absolutely. I I I want to help you, but I I swear to you, I don't think anything ill of you. I swear by all I hold dear. Honestly, what I'm wondering is why isn't. To me, I'm questioning this. This keeps me up at night. I am constantly tormented with making a decision, making the right decision. I take this super seriously. I'm not just someone like, I'm not having that vaccine. No, I understand. You know, this is scary stuff. Uh, But I'm, you know, it's this torments me and keeps me up at night. Yes. you know, worrying about know. it and making know. a decision. And so when I look at the stats and think, well, my my statistically, I'm 99.97% chance that I'm not going to die of it. Yeah, but well, you could have a terrible time. Even yeah, if you don't die, you I'm could get long COVID. Theo, what's the word here? Theo, could you come into the studio a moment, please? Uh-huh. You could have a terrible time, Sarah. You might get long COVID which has been debunked by University College London. Long COVID is monumental bollocks. It doesn't exist, really. It doesn't. Post-viral fatigue, maybe, but not long COVID. It's nonsense. O'Brien says, stay on the line, Sarah, and let me bring in Theo Usherwood, who's LBC's political editor, because Theo had the COVID himself, and he'll persuade you to have the jab. Just, just, just bear with us, Sarah, OK? Yeah. Because this is really um, important. You know Theo, don't you? Uh, Why the fuck would she know who the political editor of LBC is? Well, LBC's political editor yeah. and, and a very close friend of mine. Very close friend of James's. Yeah. So, someone that I thought briefly at the very beginning of this nightmare, I thought we might lose him. And I, and I was in contact with his family and I, I nearly lost it a couple of occasions on air. He nearly lost it a couple of occasions on air. Such was the depth of his concern for LBC's political editor. Are you vomiting yet? And I just want you to listen to Theo. Listen to Theo now. This is like bullseye. Listen to Tony. Listen to Tony. You've got 12, you've got 12 prizes. You've got red and you've got black. Keep out of the black and into the red. There's nothing in this game for two in a bed. Listen to Theo and Theo will tell you why you should have your job. Listen to Theo now. I mean, this is going to sound a bit stupid, Sarah. But, but oh, it's gone way beyond fucking stupid, this. To me, you won't laugh. Theo's not, not dead, right? I'm here. He, he is here and he's in the studio. And I just want you to tell yeah. Sarah what you told me. What did he say Theo is not dead for? What was that all about? What was that all about? Theo's yeah. not not dead, right? <laughs> he, he is here you. and he's in the studio. And I just want you to tell yeah. Sarah what you told me a while ago about yeah. having had COVID and, and, and what and how it's changed the way you look at life and the world. So <laughs> just, just, just listen to Theo So, so I take it from yeah. Sarah. So I've just literally walked into She doesn't want to get vaccinated. She doesn't she, want to get vaccinated. She's, because she's, done, she's seen the stuff that tells her she's very, very unlikely to die of it. So she doesn't think she needs to get vaccinated. I'll save you the suspense. Theo says that he was in agony with COVID last year. And because Theo was in agony with it, Sarah should go and have the jab. 
Wonderful. Let me leave you with one more little nugget from James O'Brien. This will make you giggle. He was speaking to listeners on his programme and he interrupted one listener to tell him that we shouldn't stereotype conspiracy theorists, that they are a little bit more sophisticated than we might think. Just feast your ears on this. It's this conspiracy, but I think we need to resist the sort of stereotyping. I was in Pret-a-Manger the other day, Damien, just to enforce my own stereotype. Uh, He was in Pret-a-Manger. I was in Pret-a-Manger enjoying a sandwich, and there were two... What a tight bastard. ...women sitting next to me who I... I couldn't help but hear they were having quite a loud conversation and they were what you would describe as almost school mums, middle-class school mums, right? He was able to tell all this now. Sitting in proximity to two women who were speaking loudly, O'Brien was able to determine with his extrasensory perception powers that they were kind of middle-class school mums and they were speaking loudly. And I didn't know what their base subject matter was they were discussing the logistics and they were saying well if we go that way then you'll be able to get your train home so why don't we do that and they were clearly dropping off leaflets or doing something and and i thought maybe it's for the charity or the school tombola or something like that and i'm minding my own business as i as i as i do as i go about my business in central london and as i leave one of them turns to me and she hands me this leaflet and she says oh you should talk about this on your show by the way and i don't know how relevant it is that she was smartly dressed and well spoken and looked and sounded exactly like the kind of mum i would have met at the school gates back in my girls primary schools days and she hands me this leaflet and i take her off her and it's all about how um uh, the, the corona this is world class Bullshit, isn't it? This is pathological lying on a, a grand scale, isn't it, really? O'Brien went to pret a manger he was having a sandwich, he couldn't help but overhear two well-dressed, middle-class school mums who were talking about logistics and catching buses and trains, and just as he got up to leave, one of them recognised him, sure they did, and gave him a leaflet and said, you should be talking about this on your radio show. What a liar. The coronavirus is... Uh, being used to controllers and what you really need is that horse dewormer whose name I think now everybody knows. Well fucking say it then, it's ivermectin it's ivermectin, if the story ever really happened. Right, and coronavirus or the threat of coronavirus has patently been used to control people and to restrict people's freedom of movement, restrict people's freedom of speech so so, so what, like, what, what's your point? And it was quite professionally produced and it was it was quite a jarring moment, even for someone who does this for a living. And so it I, jarred him that these lovely middle class women would be talking about coronavirus being used to control people and uh, asking questions about the use of ivermectin. James O'Brien, that's what passes for media in 2021 in Britain. But this is real media. I'm the BBG. This is the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. This is Coldplay, by the way. That is music from Coldplay. It's called Viva La Viva on the Richie Allen radio show. 26 minutes past 5 o'clock UK time. Welcome to the programme. Lovely to be with you as always. I'm looking forward to chatting with Jane. And I'm delighted that she reached out to the programme today. Jane, as I mentioned earlier, is directly connected to a large military contractor. But the story is not about the company that she has a connection to. It's a wider issue. Now, like most military contractors, Jane's has federal contracts 
Okay, the government has mandated the jab for all federal employees and contractors. This happened in August. And Jane wants to speak for tens of thousands of employees across the country who face losing their jobs and their pensions. And I'm delighted to say, from an undisclosed location, uh, Jane joins the programme today. Jane, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Richie. We're having a little glitch, I think. it's. I think the phone connection was better than Skype. What do you think? Well, you sound absolutely gorgeous to us. It sounds okay, lovely. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> no, no, it does. And as long as you can hear me clearly, let's stick with Skype because um, you, you sound beautiful. It's a lovely connection. Thanks for reaching okay. out for me. I did mention that you've got a connection to a military contractor, but it's not about that. It's not about that company um, because the companies themselves have been told by the government that they've got to get rid of employees who won't have the jabs. Tell us more about this, Jane. Yes. So what has been happening is uh, many employees for federal contractors or who work as subcontractors for the federal government through large um, military, you know, uh, contractors, uh, such as Raytheon or Lockheed Martin, Northam Grumming, uh, Boeing, etc. cetera, uh, that's not inclusive. It's, it's even more than that. A hundred million people. Um, they were told, they let their, most of the employees go remote, which means working from home, uh, around March, April of 2020. And then around, uh, I don't have the exact date, so, so people will have to forgive me, but sometime uh, around spring, summer of this year, of 21, they were asked to come back to work part-time, and many people still have not wanted to go because, you know, first it was put on your masks if you're injected or as some prefer to call vaccinated. I don't, it's not a vaccine since it doesn't prevent transmission or infection. And it's actually, uh, you know, killing more people. And as of um, recently, based on 1% of VAERS reporting, uh, which is lower than the yellow card in the UK, there are uh, if you believe the whistleblower for the CDC that Thomas Renz, attorney Renz, is, is, has deposed and is using in a lawsuit against Biden, I believe the CDC, I'm not sure, um, they, there are, based on 1% extrapolation, 450,000 Americans who have died as a direct result of the shot. If you want to just go by CDC numbers, it's like uh, 15 which extrapolated is 150,000 dead, approximately 8 million permanently and severely damaged, probably going to die. So basically, as of July, they were told to come back June, July, you know, April, May. And there was all kinds of, of, of back and forth with masks. And now you've got to, everybody has to wear their masks. And a lot of employees have not... Um, gone in because of that or they've gone in less than you know the time it wasn't it wasn't very appetizing jane was it like they they were invited to return to work but under all of these restrictions so many understandably said well i'd prefer to work from from home now this is before the announcement by the federal government in august which is that the jobs are mandated and you know (laughs) through your own connections of many 
employees who are either contracted um, to, to work for federal companies or work for the federal government or who directly work for the federal government because they know that the jabs are not safe, they're terrified. And now they're being told, well, either have the jab or you lose your job. And for many people, that means loss of pension. And heaven forbid, Jane, it means loss of, possibly loss of your home. Yes, and actually, so so the it's it's the Biden mandate, which I have not seen. I've looked for videos of the signing ceremony. I've found nothing. I would appreciate it if maybe someone could send it to you because I haven't found it. It's 14042 is the number for the mandate entered into registry September 8th, 2021, which stated that all the rest of the 100 million people that have held out and and refused based on their own con- uh, inf- information and informed consent not to take these jabs. Now, unfortunately, Boeing, let me go through this. Boeing has accepted proof of T-cell antibodies, so that's good. Um, almost all contractors are refusing all religious exemptions. And most, almost 99%, again, I cannot speak for all of it. I have not collected all the data, but from what I understand, even in one company, 99.9% of all medical exemptions have not been accepted. They're also violating HIPAA by asking for more information that is in the medical letters that they have gotten, which under the EEOC, which is Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, it's kind of like Americans with Disabilities Act, but it's another federal act that protects people under Section 12 for religious exemptions. Um, they're violating every single law. They're, they're violating uh, Title VII, which is the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They're violating Section 12, which is the EEOC religious exemptions, where there are 324 already set and adjudicated precedents over the decades. 324, protect- Jane. 324 yes, precedents. 324, according to what I found on the EEOC, equal op- U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity page, they're violating, as we all know, Nuremberg Code on Informed Consent and Coercion, Helsinki Agreement, at least eight other U.S. charters. They're violating the First Amendment for Religious and Freedom of Expression, Fourth Amendment for Your Body and Person, and almost all contractors um, uh, we have two weeks left, many of us, before they will fire people. And um, a lot of people, they, they supposedly, I can't prove this because it's secondhand information. My understanding from a doc, couple of doctor's offices was that they were told by some people in these companies that work at the higher levels that are deciding these exemptions and refusing all of them that they knew that they would lose between 15 and 30% of their employees, but so be it, unquote. But so be it. Now, my question for you, and everybody is screaming this question, if you're right, and I know you are right, because in the email you sent me today, you sent me links to this information, and I've looked into it myself, you are right, the law is with the employees who want to have responsibility for their own bodily integrity and who do not want to have these jobs. The law is with the employees who do not want to have these jobs on religious grounds. So the obvious question, and I think this is one of the reasons you reached out to us, is where are the lawyers? Where are they? So 
without getting into too much personal information, I'm technically not an attorney, although if I have to do this, I will do it, but it's not the wisest thing to do. I've done litigation in different types of cases, but I, I really don't want to do this. So then what we need to do, all of us, is we need to get an attor get attorneys, attorney. We need a group of attorneys. I have personally over months reached out to attorneys in my state. They won't take these cases. I don't think it's because they can't win them. I think it's because they don't know how to litigate them. They're not comfortable. They've got other cases. We have got to get, I am, I am asking formally that everybody listening to this call, um, let me, let me start with this. We need to file <clears throat> a temporary stay and injunction, just like Southwest did, who incidentally, if you want to look at Ben Swan, his video, news video on BitChute as of yesterday, the 19th, I believe, I'm a little off on my dates, October 19th, the CEO, uh, I think his name is Clark, I can't remember, uh, it's Kelly, I'm sorry, stated they were backing off of that and want, never wanted vaccine mandates, but felt forced by the Biden mandate, unquote. So we need lawyers now to file temporary stays and injunctions in district court. Um, we have less than two weeks left be uh, before they start demanding that the shots be proven. Um, Is that right? Can we stay with that for a minute? Yes, we can. I'm going to continue right on that line. I'm sorry. No, 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 and no. Anyhow, We've loads of time, of oh. course. Yeah, it's just so important that so... It really yeah, is. Yeah. It really is. The clock really is ticking in two weeks time. So, yeah, with less than two weeks time. So meanwhile, many of us are getting tests, baseline tests for PEG, which is polyethylglycol, I think, for allergies, which most people have, which is in these nanoparticulates or these all these shots. Um, we're doing antibody T cell tests, uh, which is another discussion we can get into another day. Yeah. Um, because I don't necessarily believe, what are you testing for if you don't have an isolate? But anyway, uh, we're also doing neurological uh, stress tests, blood work to prove there's no autoimmune or neurological conditions, endocrinological conditions. I can't say how I know this. I have a lot of experience. Um, again, I don't want to give myself away, but I am no, I very, that, very yeah. familiar with this. And um, I need to add one thing before I forget, um, before I go on with my little spiel here. Um Anyone who feels they must sign something, you need to write this down. Before you sign, whether it's at the, the, the shot centers or your doctor's office where they give you the shot or whatever, or your employer, sign the letters, they're Latin, V as in Victor, dot C as in cat, dot, and then you sign your signature. Always put the VC before. That's Latin for V, coactus, meaning that you are signing under duress and have been forced or compelled, which nullifies the contract. That may protect your rights later and leave you to sue for damages or your family. Now, I'll continue with this. Just before you do, we, though, let me jump in. And we've, we, we've got till the top of the hour, so we've got plenty of time. Let me jump in just momentarily. When lawyers approached previously by you and others said they wouldn't take the cases, you speculated as to the reasons but did they give any details? Did any of these lawyers give any clues as to why they wouldn't take the cases? Or was it just a flat refusal? No, many of them, and some of them are the top ones in my state that I've dealt with before on matters. Um, many of them, 
either said, we don't have experience in that area, we're not taking cases in that area, that's not our focus. I called civil rights attorneys, yeah. I called anybody I could think of, medical attorneys. Um, they One of them was more helpful and stated they couldn't take the case because they were they had other cases and just couldn't take it on, which I think that's kind of a cop-out. But anyway, they did say that we need to file a temporary stay and injunction in district court. So... Uh, that was their their reasoning. I believe it's just that many of them are privately employed by themselves or by a private corporation that aren't forcing the shots. So therefore, they don't have an urgent. Um, they don't have a dog in the fight, as it were. Yeah, they don't have as much of a dog in the fight. There are some that are. And that's why, thankfully, again, I know you say don't thank me, but thank God you took my call and took the interview so that we can hopefully reach somebody who's an attorney, someone who's in the United States, people that aren't attorneys but want to donate toward directly to the attorneys we find so that we can fight. Because if we can create one precedent, Richie, people might not realize this. If you create one precedent and we win this one, um, it's going to destroy uh, a lot of the other precedents against employees as well. And Reiner Fulmich, I don't believe, has done this yet. Uh, I know, I don't think Bobby Kennedy, behind the scenes he's doing things, uh, Junior and Del Bigtree, but I've also contacted them through Sky, uh, through sorry Twitter and tried to call and have gotten no response. I don't know why that is. I'm well, I, I, know, I know that Del Bigtree's producer listens to this program religiously. Um, so, so hopefully I will send Del Bigtree, yeah. let, let, they let, I'm going to let them know I, after we get off the phone. Yes, because I'll tell I'm you what, I'll tell you what, Jane. Another email. 100% and, and I'll help with that as best as I can. Because while, while, while we obviously, while this programme obviously has listeners in the United States, the bulk of my audience is in Ireland, the UK and Europe. Uh, Del Bigfree would have more listeners in the United States. Alex Jones would have more listeners in the United States by far than I do. So they need to be talking to you and putting you on the air. So anything any of our listeners can do, and if Del's producer is listening, and he might be, um, sort that out fairly lively. Uh, let me do a very quick, very quick recap. Uh, 20 seconds and you come back in. Um, Jane Doe is on the programme. Um, I know who Jane is and what she's done and what she's accomplished, but we're not going to share that because anonymity is very important here. Uh, she She's connected to a large military contractor. Like most of these contractors, uh, they've been told by the government that the jabs have been mandated and that all employees, federal employees themselves and contractors to uh, federal uh, business or businesses must be jabbed. And if you're not, you're gone. You're out of work. The implications of that are terrible for people. And as Jane said earlier on, um, it's, it's up to 100 million people that can be affected by this. She reached out to me. Um, she, she, she wants to do something about this because the clock is, is literally ticking. It, we're getting to that 11th hour when many of these, well, most or all of these employees are going to be asked, OK, prove you've had the job or get your gear and get out. And that's not good, Jane. And you said about two weeks' time that's going to start. It's already started. Uh, people are already being fired. And I will add that many, uh, unlike Boeing, Many of these contractors are refusing to accept exemptions, even for those who are 
remote completely. So this just defies all logic. What I want to give people, I'm going to give the email if that's okay now. Yes. And maybe you can give it a few more times so that people have a chance to write this down. I cannot do this job myself. I really, uh, I'm willing to go into court and file this myself, but, and I've got the precedence with me, but it would be pro se. And you can imagine these corporations have billions of dollars and some and the fact Trillions. that they're willing to let 15 to 30% go indicates to me that they're also somebody's paying them whether it's pharma or you know under the prep act or whatever but all these contractors are liable no if they think they're protected under prep act or from you know ADA and first amendment and fourth amendment all the things we've discussed they're they're in for a big surprise now they think they're just going to get away with this and kill us all off or injure us, but that it's not going to happen under my watch. Do you, so, want, do you want me to read the email out? Do you want me to give the email address now and I'll keep doing it? Um, uh, well, let me do it to make sure that we have it correct and yeah. then you can continue if you don't mind. Not at all. Go ahead. So I'd like to get people who can help in terms of organizing this um, in terms of technology. That's not, you know, I, I really need some help that way. Um, organizing it all, keeping all the uh, people that contact me. It is Freedom Fighter 115-1605 at protonmail.com. That's what I'll I have. I'll repeat it again. Freedom Fighter 115-1605 at protonmail.com and put in the subject line, you know, I don't know, um, uh, bodily autonomy or whatever you want. So I know now I want to let people know. So they, if they have a problem remembering the email, November 11, five, is the day, uh, it, it comes from Guy Fox which is based on V for the Ven the V for Vendetta movie was based on the historical event of Guy Fox, who was part of the gunpowder gunpowder plot. Forgive me, who was arrested while guarding gunpowder. I can't. I don't know why I can't say this word. Gunpowder explosives that were placed in London beneath the House of the Lords. So it's remember, remember the fifth of November. So it's That's eleven. Right. 1605. Uh, that's so it's Freedom Fighter 115-1605 at protonmail.com. And I'll give that again later. And at the end of the program, yes. before I depart, I'll give it. Jane Doe is our guest. We've covered the basics. Let's talk about the humanity of this. How stressful is this for the people that are going to be affected by it. We're, we're running into November now. We're running into Thanksgiving. We're running into Christmas this is dreadful, Jane. It must be terrible for people. Well, I will put it this way. Just in my family alone, my parent was injected against my wishes and lost continents, forgot who I am, and and is completely um, unable to... I, I cannot take that parent into my home like I would and take care of them because I do have experience in that area. Um, and 
I'm honestly waiting for, unless, you know, they got a placebo, some of these people, we don't know if it's 30% or 50% or who knows what they're doing. And we don't know if these other, is it an extra three boosters they're demanding for this particular round of virus fanaticism? Is it three, Richie? Do you know? Boosters? Three, well, they're offering a third one here in the UK at the moment, yeah. Um, I believe there are there are two or three more, meaning three more boosters total for this round of virus. Yeah. I don't know when, if they're keeping, my, I, this has not been proven yet, but, you know, most of us watch the same doctors and immunologists and stuff and lawyers and supposedly... They've got a card which, you know, I don't know if it's 001. One nurse said 001 means placebo, but that was in another Spanish-speaking country. So it's hard who to knows, know what to believe. Who yeah. knows when they'll switch it to a, you know, graphene oxide, you know, they call it a program system. Is that right? An operating software system versus a vaccine. Can we, can we, can uh, I, I can ask about, can I ask about your parent just for a moment? Yes, just, just, just to confirm that. So mum or dad, was was doing okay until the jab, and then it went south. Is that right? They had, yeah, without getting into the medical thing, they, they were doing all right. They needed some, some care, and uh, we were going to switch back and forth, my siblings, and after the shot, which I actively, vehemently demanded they not give my parent, because I'm not in the same state, my parent couldn't call me anymore on their phone, couldn't, doesn't know who we are anymore, um, cannot complete a sentence, and is incontinent, which if any medical people are listening, they know that it, you can become incontinent if you have moderate dementia or, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever. But this is within, you know, a week or a few days of, the, of these shots. Um, it has been horrendous my entire uh, I am not speaking to most of my entire family because they are completely part of the group think and, and, and manufactured consent of this whole uh, event. That must be very difficult, Jane, that. And I, I, I'm, 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 not I'm not trying to make this emotional. I'm not trying to do that. I hate presenters who do that. Oh, no, but, I've been crying for, yeah. I, I've been crying off and on. I'm numb most days. Uh, I've sent my family members, I sent my father all this information who's pretty famous um and uh was a journalist as well as many other things which i can't say because you give yourself away exactly we yeah do that. um but uh my father after listening to all the factual information he probably li he probably only watched one or two percent like um Eva Bartlett, uh, not Eva Bartlett, who is she? Uh, she's an unlimited hangout. I can't think of her name now on Rockfin. She's a famous journalist. He's very impressed with her. He's listened to Michael Yeadon. He's listened to Dr. Bob Malone, the creator of the mRNA. He's listened to most of these doctors, Reiner Fulmich, um, Bobby Kennedy Jr., and he went ahead and took the shots. So he at least gave, which is a lovely thing, so he's obviously a bright man, so he at least gave them a chance, so he did listen, but then went and had the shot in any in any case. And I suppose yeah. a lot of it is around the fear of not being able to participate in society. How mad were you when you heard the mayor of New York City say that? How could any American who believes in 
the United States of America who believes in your constitution threaten people that they won't be allowed to take part in society unless they have a job. You must have been spitting feathers, as we say, on this side of the pond. Well, it affected me personally because one of my adult children is an actor and was living in New York and we were paying for their apartment and uh, they had finished, well, I can't say what they graduated from, but uh, they finished a top university like Juilliard. It wasn't Juilliard. And they were getting gigs when the um, pandemic hit. Uh, I read much of Event 2. I, I watched Event 201. I listened to Mr. Nazi himself, Klaus Schwab, and I, I read much of a Lockstep, Rockefeller Lockstep. I read all of it. I listened to Dr. Kyle Seidel, who warned people he was at Maimonides Hospital in New York, um, watching people die, being intubated. I learned about the 13K they get for every COVID diagnosis. I want to insert here. You have the right as a patient entering the emergency room, no matter what they tell you or threaten you with, you have the right to tell them that based on informed patient consent, you refuse to take a PCR test. It's crucial and it could save your life because they might throw you out, but you can go to another ER and you can sue them later and deal with it. Always record everything with it, uh, you know, a hidden tape recorder. Uh, if you're in a one party state, it's easy. Even in a two party, if you're protecting your life, uh, a judge will hear it. So usually, um, usually, yeah. but do not do that because if you, if you test positive for this, you know, amplification, which makes it usually high positive, you'll be thrown into a COVID ward. You'll be forced on remdesivir. You'll have no advocacy. And then you'll be put, we all know the story, but for those that don't, then you're the remdesivir causes kidney failure, among other things, edema, fluid buildup in your lungs, which then they claim is pneumonia, which it isn't. Then they intubate you and murder you and get, 42k for that alone 39k for that alone so. i wish i could jump in and call you crazy and challenge that and give you a good chasing but i, I can't because i know what you've said is true i've had families on this program who believe and they've got the evidence to show that their reasonably healthy elderly parents were basically eased out of their lives by being given midazolam and uh, end-of-life care when they didn't need end-of-life care. This nonsense is going on. And I just want to say this. I know who Jane is, uh, her real name and where she lives, and I've looked into her. Um, You can guess you're you're listening to a very intelligent and a very qualified woman. This is crazy stuff to be talking about. Thank you, I appreciate it. But back to de Blasio. De Blasio, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't get to participate. I get distracted. When de Blasio, I, I pulled my adult child out August of, well, sometime around the midsummer to late summer, fall of 2020, giving up a, you know, um, uh, it's a, I forget what it's called, but it's like, it's not rent controlled, but it's rent stabilized. That's what it is. Apartment that took four years to find. And uh, they, I, I had to force them to come back here where I live. And they've been living in my basement, severely depressed, no job, nothing no prospects of anything because they've destroyed all the actors' abilities. The um, actors' union is pushing these shots and all this other garbage. Yeah. It's an absolute crap show here. So I, I warned them, 
and we see it getting worse. And with the Excelsior Pass, which is the garbage pass for New York, I personally tape recorded um, the hospital, sorry, the restaurant that was in the news. I think you mentioned it. I'm not sure, but they there was this whole scuffle shown with claiming that they injured one of the employees at the restaurant. I forget the name of the restaurant in Manhattan um, for forcing, for forcing, asking whether they could show their vaccine passport, which is illegal by the way. Of course. So under ADA, you cannot ask anybody. And if you do, people should know this, record it or use your phone and inform them they're violating. You have an ADA exemption. Everybody does to not wear a mask or get a, get this shot. And once they ask you for proof and you, and you tell them you have an ADA exemption, if they ask you, you inform them that it's a, in the United States, it's a 75 around there, 70 to $75,000 violation uh, which you can win in uh, civil court. And every subsequent attempt to get your personal medical information is 125 or 50,000 for each attempt during that encounter. So it's a lot of money. And once you have it on record, like I've done, uh, you know, you have to go into court. It won't be small claims. Yeah. Uh, and it's most people aren't capable or brave enough to try to go in front of a judge. Let me just, um, we've got about four minutes left today, but obviously you'll be back on with me in a couple of weeks' time. We'll follow this up. And um, next time you're on, we'll make a bit more time. Uh, Jane Doe is our guest. I'm going to give the email again. Jane is wants basically to light a fire under everybody who's affected by this and everybody else, by the way. Contact her through this email address. It is freedomfighter115605 at protonmail. Dot com Freedom Fighter eleven fifty one six zero five at protonmail dot com. You're, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, may I, I also go can on, I also go on. say for those that will be listening, uh, we will be vetting people. I'm very familiar. Uh, I won't say how I am. But I am not dumb when it comes to trying to vet infiltrators. Infiltrators, yeah. Um, I've dealt with this on a large scale during elections where I've been in charge of large movements that I started uh, for certain progressive candidates. And we caught infiltrators. I was one of the earliest ones to catch them with the, um, well, I won't say which one, but anyway, um, uh, what we're going to, to attempt to do is um, just maybe we'll total it all up between Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, North and Grunham, there are 181,000, 120,000, 90,000 employees. Now, just for Raytheon, if we sue for damages, uh, for stress, suffering, and real financial damages done to all of us Americans, just for uh, 181,000 employees at a million apiece, that's $181 billion that we're going to be asking for minimum. Um Lockheed Martin and North of Brunham, same thing. Maybe we'll even ask for two million because it's fifty thousand a million to get interest. So most people are making between a hundred to two hundred or more thousand. That would be four million each if you want two hundred thousand to live off of. So at this point, uh, I've had it, and we're going to sue for damages if we can as well. So that's a lot of money. So I, we need people and we need people to email and we need lawyers to contact my email. Again, it is Freedom Fighter, November 5th, 1605 
at protonmail.com. And if they, um, if if I can vet them, then I will call. I will, you know, uh, interact with them through, um, you know, phone, whatever, to get this ball rolling. But I need the I need these lawyers across the country now. No doubt, Phil Restino is in Florida. He's a very well known activist. Um, he's a great guy. He's mentioned Whitney Webb uh, as somebody to contact. I've never spoken with uh, Whitney Webb, but I am in touch with uh, the last American vagabond, who is another great guy. These are people that I have no doubt will be happy to interview uh, you, Jay. No doubt about that. Freedom Fighter 11-5-1605 at ProtonMail.com. In the 60 seconds we have left, I'll give you the final word. Obviously, we'll pick it up again uh, soon, you and I on this programme. Uh, just Godspeed to you and to your friends and the other, you know, the, the many contacts within uh, the federal employment you know, circle, for want of a better word, with this going forward, because it's a stressful time. Final word to you today, Jane. Thanks for reaching out. There's a famous statement. We don't fight fascism because we'll win. We fight fascism because they're fascists. We must all join together. Uh, It is really simple. United we stand and divided we fall. And if someone like me can can decide to do this and organize it. We will win. We just have to get together now. So please contact that email. And if you don't remember, you can contact Richie through his site and he can give you my you. email yeah. again. And for the love of God, attorneys, I wish I had, I can't say it, but I, I wish that I had finished constitutional law because I'd already have been suing them. So Let's get this done, people. I'd love to see you in a courtroom, Jane. To be honest with you, I'd love to see you in a courtroom. I'll tape record it for you. I don't mean as I don't I, I don't mean as your adversary, obviously. I mean as somebody on your side. Freedom Fighter eleven five sixteen oh five at protonmail.com. Godspeed, Jane. Thanks for reaching out to the program and uh, we'll speak team. again God soon. Bless you. And you too. Thank you, Jane. That's Jane Doe. Okay. Um I know who Jane is, I know her name, I know where she works who she's worked for, what she's done. And uh, her identity needs to be protected for obvious reasons. And uh, she's been talking about the maybe 100 million people. Now, not all of them are going to refuse the job, but 100 million people have effectively been told in the United States of America, have the job or sling your hook, son uh, or or, or daughter, which means get out, uh, be gone, and uh, your pension goes with you and you probably default on your mortgage. And that's the end for you. This is serious stuff. It's uh, exactly uh, six o'clock. It's coming up for, well, basically for a minute past six. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford here in the northwest of the UK. Thanks for being with me. John Waters will be live from Dublin and uh, that in a few minutes' time. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Right, and lots of comments are coming into the website. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live, top of the page, and interact with others who are commenting as well. John Waters next. Wednesday's programme. Darling, you've got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go?
Yeah, the clash and should I stay or should I go on the Richie Allen Show, four minutes past six this Wednesday, the 20th of October 2021. My guest this hour needs very little introduction. Uh, he's been a, he's been a fantastic tonic. He's been a tonic when he's been on this programme uh, in the last 18 months. He's a brilliant Irish journalist, author, speaker, broadcaster. I recommend, highly recommend that you check out his blog, which can be read at johnwaters.substack.com. It's brilliant. There is a fantastic article on there since yesterday about um, transhumanism, really. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Let's just welcome back to the programme uh, the great John Waters. John, thanks so much for taking the time out to speak to us again. How are you? Um, well, thanks, uh, Richie. It's a pleasure. Nice to be talking to you again. You're in, I, I don't know, I, I, is it is it um, lockdown Ireland or, or I don't know, a dystopian Ireland? We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, dystopian for sure. Dystopian yeah. for sure. Brilliant um, uh, piece about the French philosopher Jacques Ellul. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I read it today, uh, every word yeah. of it. We'll talk about that in a moment. And you also touched on something in the blog in the last uh, week or so. You wrote about a book that you published that you wrote back in 1993, Race of Angels. What an article that is. And it's the U2 element of that article and the book that's really touched me. And there's something I want to put to you a little bit later on. But before we talk about the technitarian post-COVID New World Order, um, how are you feeling there in Dublin today? Uh, To be honest, Richie, personally, I feel a great deal of apprehension. I think we're about to enter the dirtiest, nastiest phase of this whole thing now. For the winter and it's very unpredictable for all kinds of reasons which we can get into you know there are health reasons i think genuine now health reasons that there weren't last year there are because of what they've done with their their so-called vaccines and what they've done with their so with their lockdown which has depleted the immune systems of the people including myself you know i'm aware of it because i i got a bit of a flu there recently and it took me weeks to come out of it Whereas, you know, it's a kind of a week-long flu, you know. Uh, so that's one thing. I also think that the vaccine clearly has, it seems to me, whatever is out there, and I'm not saying necessarily that it's uh, what they're saying, but things are mutating and becoming stronger in these conditions. And it's harder and harder for people to fight them. So I think a lot of people are going to have a very difficult winter uh, in, in health terms. But also... This present moment, Richie, is, as I said, the nastiest. I mean, this new initiative now where they're, they're basically now uh, uh, doubling down. There was a, When they brought in the, 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 the apartheid uh, uh, system, the passports, vaccine passports there uh, a couple of, about six weeks ago, uh, they kind of backed off. There was a, quite a backlash. It's very interesting. There was a backlash and they were kind of backing away. And I remember the president, uh, Michael D. Higgins, started uh, whining because he was getting too many bills and he hadn't time to read them, you know, to right. sign. Yeah. And this is the excuse, like, oh, because I, I did an article in, 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 in my thing about it. Like, this guy was uh, posturing for 50 years as a great liberal, you know, and here he is signing in apartheid into Irish law. But then you see what they kind of pulled back a little bit. But now they've come back again, and now it's it's down, and and they're trying basically now to to demonise the people who have not been vaccinated, who are there claiming about uh, three hundred thousand people, which is a relatively small amount. Uh, I understand actually. I'm not a vet or a doctor, but I understand that the actual uh, uh, level you need to reach for herd immunity is not ninety percent or eighty percent or seventy percent. It's actually twelve percent. 
in a, in a normal herd situation. And they now claim to have 92% of the Irish population vaccinated. That's a lie, of course. Everything they say is a lie. That's for, that's a given. But they're now still, and they're, they're now, what they're actually doing now is they're doing the classic uh, totalitarian thing where they're setting the, the mob on those that they have identified. And you must remember, as we discussed before, Richie, the whole concept of hypnosis is at play here. You have a mob who are primed with lies, who are living in really a parallel universe in terms of logic, and now have been told, like, a, like an attack dog, go get them, get them. Yeah. And what you actually have is all these Torag journalists, so-called, so-called, uh, you know, pretending to interview each other on radio and television yeah, programs, right. you know, and say, asking each other, you know, quote unquote, hard questions. Oh, but now, come on now, Tommy, you know, you know, these people have a right to refuse a vaccine now if they if they really want to, you know, this kind of posturing, right? And and when really there was only one question to ask these guys, what difference does it make to a vaccinated person that anybody else is unvaccinated? Quickly, okay. One sentence, tell me. End or story. Yeah. You have as long as you like to tell us. And none of them can answer that question. None of them. But they're never asked. You see, so this stuff is going on. Anyway, this is a long roundabout way of answering your question, Richie. We're in a very dark, dirty phase now. Tell me this. And tell me this before you continue. I'll be shot for not asking you this. Where did you get the figure that ordinarily you need only jab 12% to reach herd immunity? Because I've not come across that. No, I hadn't come across it. It was a friend of mine who, who who's involved in AI, and uh, he works with vets all the time, and that's what they tell him. That, that right. that's approximately the level you need to go to. You don't need this ninety percent. And they have, and, and they have reached ninety percent. I mean, here in the UK, the former health secretary Matt Hancock said fifteen million jabs to freedom. Now you and I knew that was bullshit at the time. They've given ninety-six million doses of those jabs here in the UK. And today they are screaming on the national media for restrictions to be reintroduced. 96 million jabs have been given out, John. Well, you, you see, Richie, in a certain sense, this was all predictable. I yeah. mean, this was predictable, not on the basis of, of what they were saying, but on the basis of what we fundamentally know about what they're doing. First, there are three rules that I've kind of put out there to people. If you want to remember, when you're listening to stuff, Three rules to remember to bring you back to reality. Number one, every single word that comes out of their mouth is a lie. Number two, they're not in charge. And number three, it's not about your health. And once you keep those things in your mind and you start to analyze everything that happens, you realize you know then what's going to happen, which is that they're going to continue regardless. And even though they have no cases, they'll invent them. And even though there's clearly no pandemic, they'll pretend there is and they'll get their, their so-called journalists to keep talking about it so that everybody, even though they can't see it or feel it or hear it, will continue to believe that it exists. Because why would they be talking about it if it didn't exist? Yeah. That's the way they've do, they're doing it. And so here we are, you know, now 20 months down the road and nothing's changed except for the worse. Yeah, in terms yeah. of what's actually happening. Now, I'm not talking about the underlying effects of what they've done. I mean, clearly that's for the worst. The worst, like, by far. The economic, uh, there was an article in, in Newsweek the other day about stagflation, like, which is arising from the lack of uh, manpower in various sectors, 
which is basically like, it's kind of like a cancer in economic terms. It's like a, a, a metastasizing cancer in, in, in economic terms. Yeah, yeah. And that's about to hit now, if it isn't, I think it's already hit. So they've done huge damage. But I'm talking about the actual, you know, the despondency they've imposed on people, even people who are, are, are bought in, even people who kind of support them, are actually, I, I saw there was a guy, there was a psychologist called Richard Grannon who does stuff on YouTube. And I, I watch him now and again. He said it about a month ago or so that that we that the, the population is now past the level of what you might call ordinary depression and has hit a kind of psychic shock. And I think that's actually true. I know that people I meet now, they're really depleted, really, they're heartbroken, really, heartbroken. That they, 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 there's no rationale to that. You, you can't speak. You can't speak your reason to anybody. Nobody speaks any sense. And that's the thing. That's, by the way, an aspect of what of this hypnosis. And I would advise people to, to look into this because I mean it very literally. I spent a long time studying it. And, it, you know, in that article about Jackie Lull, there's some touch, it touches on it as well. And I did another article last week about a brilliant young uh, Belgian uh, 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 clinical psychologist in a, a, who has done an, a really a kind of a breakdown of what happens, how it plays out, how they set the mob at, at the people they want to set it at, how they introduce the totalitarian system and so on. But hypnosis is a key element. And hypnosis literally is what it means. And people need to understand that. This, this explains a lot when you begin to understand it because it's a kind of a trance. It's like a, people are in a kind of a hallucinating state. And in that state, it's like, again, it's like a dream. Or maybe even a certain sense like an alcoholic blackout, where you're not really in touch with the real world, but you're functioning. And you're actually in that trance, you're able to, to function normally, speak, sing, dance, whatever it would be, and speak. But the reason, the things you say, when you wake up out of a dream, Richie, you know, in the morning, you know, just in the first minute, and you think, you leave, maybe you come out of a dream, and you feel reasonably, you know, content and happy, you feel a buzz. Because yeah. Because something in the dream has resolved, you think, for that moment, your life in certain, in some certain way. And then you start to think, well, what happened? And, and you're looking, going through the, and none of it makes any sense. Well, the hypnosis has something like that kind of effect in terms of logic. And that's why you get things like, for example, uh, you know the way that, uh, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if this is true in the UK, but it's certainly true here, and it's true elsewhere, that when they count uh, uh, deaths from the vaccine, they don't count anybody who dies within 14 days of getting the vaccine. They are not counted as vaccinated because the vaccination wouldn't have taken effect, they say, right? Right. But they've had the jab, so to speak. Yeah. So whatever lethal commodity is in there has done its business. It's done something, yeah. They're dead, and they're dead, but they don't count that. Now, that's the kind of thing I mean, that you kind of think in the normal, uh, you know, cut and thrust of reality, People would say, would you get up the yard? Don't be talking nonsense. But in the, in the hypnosis, that makes perfect sense. So, oh, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. I don't know, you see now that that's two weeks, like, and it had no, the vaccination doesn't really affect. So in technically now speaking, it doesn't really count as a vaccination, you see. So, like... And, and this is an alternate this, reality, is it? This is an alternate reality. Yes, but for the it mind, is, for the mind. Parallel yeah. logical reality. And this is yeah. amazing. I'm only putting this together now. I'm not 100% there yet because it's an amazing thing about hypnosis. I know a hypno hypnotist, and, but they are, they're like conjurers. You know, they won't tell you how they do their tricks. They'll tell you the theory. 
They'll tell you the effects. They'll describe, you know, how it works or what they need. What are they? What are the ideal conditions to hypnotize and so on? I know all that, but what I couldn't get out of them for a long time was this: like, what is it actually? What has happened in there? And now I'm beginning to see it. It is like a dream. And you know, we all know that strange sense of dislocation you have when you wake up, whether it's a bad dream or a good dream. You wake up with. And then you think, sure, that makes no sense at all. Yeah. And then, of course, it disappears altogether. You can't remember a thing about it. Uh, you know, and that's true as well of hypnosis, by the way, that there's an amnesia that kicks in uh, after a short time. So they don't remember things that happened three weeks ago. And that's how they're getting away with this. It's, and, and again, and I mean, if people are, are dubious about this, I've written a lot about it going right back to the very beginning. Yeah, I started, yeah. and, but, you know, the hypnosis, like, it works in the the ubiquitousness of the message everywhere. You know? This makes sense to me. I'll tell you why this makes sense to me. Because at several stages of this scam, some of the key players have come clean and admitted more or less, not in so many words, but admitted that it's basically a load of old bollocks. We remember Chris Whitty, the UK's or yeah. England's chief medical officer last year, just basically said most people won't get COVID. Of the ones who do, most of them won't get sick. Of the tiny few who do get sick, most of them will just go to bed for a few days and so on. And you're saying people forget this. Today, today, John, Adam Finn of the Joint Committee on vaccination and immunisation was on BBC Breakfast Television and he said that we've got to do a lot more than the jabs because the jabs, he said, only give a very modest protection against contracting COVID and modestly uh, prevent transmission of it. So he basically let the cat out of the bag that the jabs don't stop you getting sick and don't stop you and and you're saying that people will forget this over time. Yeah. Well, it's gone, it's gone on now. It's much clearer than that now, as far as yeah. I understand it, from what I'm hearing from other places, that actually it's now clear. There's absolutely no difference in terms of your capacity to be infected or to pass on infection, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Yeah. And in, in Britain and in, in Ireland, uh, the numbers of people in hospital, in ICU, uh, with COVID, as they say, we take their word for it, uh, 80, 70 to 90, between 70 and 90 percent, depending on the hospital, are uh, uh, people who are vaccinated. So, and that doesn't include the people who died. And people then, when you have the, the question of, uh, of deaths, the same thing, 70 to 90 percent. Now, the people who die 70, uh, they, within 14 days, are counted as unvaccinated. Ridiculous. So, so, and yet yeah. they keep saying these things. And we had a bishop here the other day coming out and saying, "Oh, this is a panic of the unvaccinated and over, overwhelmingly the 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 people dying are, are are in sick from COVID are 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 the unvaccinated." This lying, barefaced lying, bullying people with lies, lies which endanger their lives. Because these vaccines, there's, there's, look, I'll tell you something, Richie, and I mean, there's lots of ways you can go about describing this. There's lots of anecdotal evidence, but I'll tell you something much more coherent. Uh, I know a guy who's a statistician and he's done an analysis. There's, in Ireland here, we have this uh, website called rip.ie, which chronicles every single death that happens every day. It's their, 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 their death notice put in by undertakers and there's no more reliable model because all, the, the statistics from the Central Statistics Office take years to come out yeah. and they're not even reliable then. Not 100% anyway. But these are, I would say, 99.5% at least accurate. 
And he's done an analysis of the past few months, and what he, past year. And what he found was the following pattern. In January, February, there was a spike at the same time as the, the, the uh, vaccine, so-called, were, were rolled out in the uh, nursing homes. And here in the UK, exactly yes. the same time. Exactly yes. the mid, same time, yeah. From mid-January to mid-February, huge spike. Now, then the, it went down a bit then. But then, from about April, it started to climb again. And he, started, then he, he, did, a, he did a study of this. And what he spotted was this, that under certain categories, the worst thing you spot is that they're photographs. And what you see in the photographs is, a lot of the deaths have photographs, is that they're younger. They're getting younger. And then what he know, he started doing analysis based on three categories. Sudden deaths, unexpected deaths, deaths after a short illness. And he found that between April and the end of September, I was only speaking to him there last week, those deaths have increased by 20%. 20%? Yes. Oh. That, that means that the, these are clearly vaccine deaths, clearly related to vaccine deaths. Now, this isn't reported anywhere in any media whatsoever. They don't talk about anything that's not favourable. There's, there's nothing other than propaganda in the Irish media now. They are no, there, there is no journalism left. Can I ask you a quick question? We have a reporting system here in the UK for anybody who feels they have had an adverse reaction to a jab, and that's any jab, and I know you know this, they have the VAERS system in America. Does Ireland have a similar system? No. No, it's, it, there's no, uh, there's no reliable uh, statistics coming out. There was a figure coming out uh, at the very beginning, but they stopped it. It's, it's a body related to the health, uh, the HSE, the Health Service Executive, but they stopped doing it about mid-August. And then at that point, I think it was something like 60, 87 deaths, I think that's what it was, at, at mid-August. But I've looked back again and it hasn't been there. So, uh, But what we're hearing from elsewhere is, that this is a common experience. This is everywhere, right across the world. Uh, that the figures they're saying that they're publishing are something like you need to multiply them by something like uh, between five and fifty to get to something like the truth. Yeah, that's in right. Terms of, in we terms of deaths and in terms of injuries. And real scientists have told me that on this program. Real, real scientists. Mm. If, if, if there was something else you wanted to, to say on this theme, um, I, I'm certainly not going to get in your way. I'm mindful of the fact that we're going to go till about five to seven. And yes. time flies when I chat with you. I'm not certainly not molly coddling or buttering you up. It's fantastic to have you on the programme. I, I do want to talk, though, about this. I mean, I love your writing anyway, and I'm no sycophant. I love your writing. Christ, you write so lyrically, John. You're an amazing writer. I could, I could read you all day long. Uh, no, I mean it, mate. I, I honestly... me up. You are. You no, are. no, I mean... Well, I don't speak like that. I, I honest <laughs> to God, love reading you. I've never read anybody with such a turn of phrase. It's poetic. And I, I do want you to... To, to tell our listener, because I didn't know very much about Jack Elul. I didn't know very much about him at all, no. if it wasn't for reading your article. Yeah. So I want you to get into that and who he was and this technitarian thing. Yeah, I'm only kind of getting into him now because he's written, he wrote about 60 books. Obviously, they were written in French initially, but about half of them are available. And I got a few of them and, and over the last few years, and I got one on propaganda there a few years ago, and uh, 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 it was really insightful, really important. Right, you're banging, you're banging that microphone now inadvertently, I reckon. Um, so you've knocked yourself off a bit. I've lost you just a little bit. Okay, hang on. I'll, con I'll come back. Is that better? Yeah. You're like me. You're animated when you talk. You're moving around yeah, as, as you speak. Um, 
Yeah, so he, he's written 60 books, 30 of them are, about 30 are available in English. Uh, the one He wrote one about propaganda, uh, which I wrote about before. Very insightful book uh, about how the actual effect of it on people, you know, and the way that, that it actually works and the way it changes people's personalities and so on. He also wrote a book called The Technological Society back in 1954, which is the one I was concentrating in that article I wrote, I put up there yesterday. And it's really an amazing article because what he's actually talking about is really, I suppose, what you might call the foundations of where we are now in terms of culture and, and, and uh, politics and all that. Because what he's describing is a mentality that has entered into public life and politics and human and humanity based on the influence of what he calls technique. Now, I suppose there's a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a, a translation issue from French to English. He's talking about technique in the different sense that we generally use it in, in English. Uh, he thought it's, it has it has it's related not just to, to machines but also to the mentality that goes with machines, and the kind of processes and bureaucratization that has happened as a result of the machine being so influential in our culture, and that we're all being sucked into this mentality, and that we, and, and this is now in '54, like very early days you would imagine, but it's extraordinarily astute because among the things he says, like he says, for example, that. Uh, once this is a, reaches a certain point of advancement, he says, the first thing they do, a part of it is all these human rights come in as a reaction to the machine, you know, that they get, you have to give people, recognize people's dignity and all that. And that's the first phase. But way down the line, when it's all in place, they take away the rights. And that's what they've done now. And he was predicting that in 1954. Quite a phenomenal, uh, uh, it's an amazing book, very, very big book, about 500 pages. Uh, uh, but well worth it. Like just gems on every page, like insights, like extraordinary insights. Uh, but it's it's something that I've I've been aware of for a very long time. I mean, he talks a bit about you know the 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 way that in the olden days people used to work with tools, and tools were kind of um, instruments that were really just aids to this craftsman in doing his job. And you've often seen, I know, Richie, you'd have seen like. A carpenter, he might have very bad tools, or he somebody he might be using someone else's tools, and he might be given out about them, but it made no difference to the finished product because it was his skill, and the tool didn't matter that much. Yeah. It just was. But you see, he says technology has done something completely different, which is that we we shift that kind of sense of perfection that the craftsman had in his own skill and his own craft. That becomes an issue to do with the machine. So our culture now is devoted to making machines better and better and better. But the human race, the human person is not becoming in any way either better or, or in any sense like that. But he's no, he's less and less engaged with the things that he's creating, that he thinks he's involved in making, the work that he's involved in doing. Yeah. And it's a great example of that. It, maybe it's not the greatest example, but I was very much aware earlier in the year driving to someplace in the Lake District and I was very aware when I was driving that I was using the 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 uh, the thing the yoke. What is it? Uh, the the sat nav. Sat nav, yes. And only ten, eleven, twelve years ago, I was driving a car in Spain, an old banger that didn't have any sat nav, and I had to figure out using road signs and using maps how to navigate my way around southern Spain, and I was able to do that. 
but but now yeah. I'm not able to do that. It's yeah, maybe a silly example of. No, of, it's not actually, and it's related to the whole thing. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, I use elements from in, in the article about the car. I mean, yeah, the like, car. Yeah. When I was a young fella, like I used to drive all bangers of cars, like I had an MG Midget when I was nineteen, you know, <laughs> and it cost me one hundred and fifty quid, you know. But I knew everything about that car. Like I knew how I knew how to tune twin carburetors. I knew, I knew about the pistons and I knew about the 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 the, the, the plugs and I knew about the contact points and all that. So you had a, an image of the, the, the engine in your head and when something a noise appeared you were saying well I have a good idea what that is you know or whatever. So you're part of what you're doing. You're part of driving the car. Now I have a car and it talks to me like yeah. and it nags me and it tells me to pump my tires up. I don't need a machine to tell me to pump my tires. But it does. You know? And I can't, actually, well, well, that's rather different. I don't care if my tires are a bit <laughs> got down. You know what I mean? I don't care. Yeah. I've, I've been driving cars without, I drove cars without clutches. I drove cars without radiators. I drove cars without brakes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want someone, some American woman, an American accent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me, what to do about my car, but I have no choice. No. I'm just a passenger now when I'm driving my own car. Right, we've lost you again with that mic. What are you doing there with that mic, Waters, eh? You're... I'm not doing do anything, I just... Uh... Can you hear me now? Is yeah, that better? perfect. Yeah, I think you were brushing across it, but you're making a fantastic point. I remember... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a passenger in my own car when I'm yeah. driving it. And and of course that's very prescient because with another massive scam that they've that they've landed on us that that is the scam that the world is going to end in twenty or thirty years if we don't um, reduce industrial CO two um, output or, or or whatever and of course part of all of that is of course that um, no more diesel cars no more petrol cars and in future it'll be autonomous cars. Uh, it'll go the full uh, the, the full way basically where you will get into a car and you will have no control over the manoeuvring of the vehicle apart from giving it an instruction as to where you want to go well that's right Richie and, and, and I mean that opens up an extraordinary revolution in human uh, society in terms of all kinds of things that nobody really or very few people are thinking about you know the ethicality of it you know the algorithm the role of the algorithm in our lives you know that you'll be driving a vehicle or you'll be in a vehicle you'll be the owner of it and it'll be driving you around so in a certain sense you'll be you know the driver as yeah. it were uh, and but it will be primed in an algorithm which will have the capacity to decide to make life and death decisions about what it sees in front of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for example, like if there's if you're driving down the road and, and, and a child runs out in front of you and you have to swerve one one way or the other, right? And on one side there's an old woman uh, and and of sixty seven and uh, of course the algorithm that will be able to scan this woman and find out who she is and what her ailments are and what you know everything everything you will know within a nanosecond in a microsecond nanosecond you're right yeah. absolutely and on the other side there's a, a young fella you know uh, sauntering along and that car might decide well sure that woman is expendable more expendable than the young fella because he's, he's he could be an important he could be a, a soldier or he could be an important part of our economy in the future so the woman gets it now that's that's like I, I, that makes me dizzy at two levels. One is the actual substance of it. But the second thing is that we're not thinking about it. Nobody's talking about this. No. 
And that's only one tiny example of where we're going with all this stuff. What does your friend who is versed in artificial intelligence think about this? Have you discussed it with him? And what does he think of the concept of the singularity, that point in the future when the machines become aware of what they are and begin to learn for themselves? Well, you're, you're misremembering because, in fact, I've written about this guy, Mike Cooley is his name. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And he died. He died last Sorry, year. John. My, my apologies. I'm an idiot. Put it down yeah. to no, no, yeah, tiredness. Yeah, yeah. I've written about, and but uh, yeah, I used to talk to him about this stuff. And yeah. I, I think now, Richie, that even Mike, brilliant and all as he was, did not foresee this. He did not foresee the concept, you know, of, of uh, a software that could write itself. Yeah. He did not foresee the possibility that an algorithm w- could be written of which the, the author would be unable to predict the, the actions that might follow, the events that might follow out of that, because it creates its own intelligence and, and draws in information, data, all kinds of things from all kinds of quarters. I've talked about this. Uh, we have no idea, Richie, about data. And we're, we're not going that far. We seem to be going a bit far from, from, from Jackie Lull, but we're actually not. We're, we're following up from 1954 yeah. when he wrote the book and all the implications, which he saw in, in kind of shadow form. But for example, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I said this to you before, stop me if I did, but I have an Apple Watch the last few years, and I find it useful, right? It, 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 it counts my steps. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so it, it actually motivates me to take a walk twice a day rather than once a day. You know yeah. what I mean? That kind of thing. You're 10,000 steps. You need to do 10,000 a day. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Now, so it seems to be harmless. But the, here's the thing, Richie. It also monitors my, my heartbeat yeah. and all kinds of other things that I don't even know about, right? And feeds that into into a, a, a computer that arrives at Apple, Apple HQ over there, where that guy, whatever his name, Cook, the head of Apple, is there sitting at his desk, and he can actually access that at any moment. And Richie, if you were to actually ring him up tomorrow, you supposing yourself and yourself at a row, and you say, "I wish that that fellow was dead," was you dead, yeah, yeah. and you could ring up the head of Apple and say to him, "Well, he mightn't tell you, but suppose, supposing for the sake of the argument." Said Walter's fellow, you know, uh, he's an Apple Watch. Could you tell me, have you any idea how long is that fucker going to live? You know, yeah, he could tell you probably on the basis of a probability uh, theory on a formula by comparison with people like me all over the world, of which there might be, say, 17 or 57 yeah. or. 251. On a, more, on a more basic level, he could tell me where you are, where you walk, when you walk there. And uh, if I wanted to take a hurley and, and go and give you a slap. Yeah, that's right. Data tells them about us, Richard. Everything. It's not just what they have directly about us. They also have the stuff that people who know us have about us. Those kind of reflections and refractions that happen in their system in which we're just one person moving about, but we're interacting with all kinds of other people. And out of those interactions and relationships, they can gather a whole lot of stuff about us that we may not even know ourselves. Mapping the genome. Years ago, they used to talk about mapping the genome, and that was scary enough, but it's gone way beyond that. Right now, they are proposing, and this is true, I'm not making it up, John Waters will know this, of course. John is our guest. If you haven't before, do bookmark johnwaters.substack.com. Read his article 
articles. I wasn't plomosing him. There's a word, Waters. Plomosing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. that word came into my head the other day and I thought, where did that come from? I've not thought of that word. I've not said it in 20 or 30 years. What a great Irish word that is. But, really? but I'm not plomosing you. You are a fantastic writer. Before you come back in on that, johnwaters.substack.com and um, yeah, say what you were going to say before I say something else. Go on. No, I, just, I, I suppose just to, to add to that, I suppose that, you know, we, we this this stuff is dictating our lives. And it's a, it's a symptom of what's happening in the world generally with the media that we don't have a discussion about this. There's a very good reason. The people who are in charge of this, who have control of this, don't want us to discuss it. They don't want us to talk about it because they want to just bring it in and then we'll be their captives in all kinds of new ways that we can't even dream about right now. No, but they're telling us now, John, they're telling us now that in the very near future, doctor appointments will be done with an artificial intelligence programme. You, you, you probably have a tablet. I have one. It's handy. I read the newspapers on it yeah. easily. The tablet. So you'll have your appointment on the tablet and you, an artificial intelligence thing, a, a, a consciousness that isn't human will tell you what's wrong with you and what you need to do. And of course, that segues into things like social credit models, that whole Chinese thing that's coming in here as well, whereby you might be told, you know, you need to take this tablet or you need to take that tablet or you need to have this jab and you mightn't want to, but the device might tell you that, well, look, there are consequences if you don't want to, Mr. Waters. Yes. You know, yeah. I've invented a new word for this. It's on the headline of the article, which I'm not 100% happy with, but it's kind of useful in a way. Technotarian. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, like there's something, this is like, because there's all kinds of applications here. Like one of them is that, you know, the will the machine, my my friend Mike Cooley, you mentioned, uh, he held that it was impossible. This is now I'm talking about the 90s. I used to be talking to him a lot. He was saying at that point, so I don't think he demurred from this later on, that he didn't believe it was possible to invent a machine that was more intelligent than a human person. And he used to kind of use all kinds of examples. One of them I remember was crossing the road. That so, the crossing the road is such a complex activity of calculation, etc., that that you have to look and measure and you know weigh the speed and all of that of the vehicles that are coming in your direction. And then you cross and you nip over and back. Um, now, at the time I thought, yeah, and I think, but I, I think now that's, that's out of date because the computation the machine of actual data and fact can do is unreal. I mean, you just consider like, the, remember the idea that came up in the 70s of the computer who could play chess. Like that has effectively rendered pointless the whole game of chess because everybody knows that even the greatest grandmaster can be beaten by the most basic computer and it did happen eventually didn't it initially gary kasparov if i remember did beat the computer but now they've got deep blue is that what it's called yeah nobody nobody can beat that now nobody you're right. right so and you just think that's an amazing thing like because what it means is that we are now competing with the machine and the machine is winning and that means that we're not actually in control now Okay, well, you know, there are certain forms of intelligence that the human has, perhaps, that might uh, outweigh the data and and informational aspects of the computer's uh, advantage. But nevertheless, uh, there's 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 all kinds of applic of 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 implications that we're not thinking about there, uh, in terms of, I think one of the things that's happening for sure in our culture now is that, and I don't think it's something that Mike Cooley was thinking about at the time, uh, that. 
they actually are in the in the in the in the act of making the human person more stupid. More more and, stupid, yeah. You know, we're we're being made more and more stupid in general by television, by internet, by Twitter, all that gibberish, really. And the machines are beginning to become, you know, they, they, we rely more and more on machines for our memories, our calculations, our, you know, information. And we're actually vacating our own brains of a lot of the things that used to fill it decades ago. Case in point, if you ask 100 people to tell you their mobile phone number off the top of their heads, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm guessing the majority wouldn't be able to reel off their mobile phone number. Let me put a question to you now, John. John Waters is our guest. Our mutual friend, Gene Ann, mentioned to me Elon Musk is nervous about AI. I interviewed some years ago a really lovely gentleman called Rich Tyrrell, who works for NASA. He's fairly famous because he discovered some moons on maybe on Saturn, maybe on Jupiter, I can't remember. Um, I'm going to sound stupid now because maybe Jupiter doesn't have moons. But anyway, this guy's a lovely fella. And he came on this programme to talk about the simulation theory. And he subscribes to it. He says he, he believes now that the mathematical um, ability is there to describe the simulation. This idea that we're all conscious beings, but in a simulation. I don't have to tell you what that theory is. You know the theory. I said to him you know, about the singularity. And Rich said, and I know he meant this, he, I believe he meant it, he said we shouldn't worry too much about the computers becoming self-aware and far more intelligent. And I said, well, I don't agree with you. Why, I said, are you not concerned? And he said, because they are more likely than not, he said, to depart our uh, planet, to go and look at worlds that are unimaginable to us, uh, trillions and billions of light years away. They won't be in any way worried about, you know, eliminating humanity and all of that sort of stuff. That was his kind of, you know, more positive outlook on it. But you have Elon Musk who says we should be afraid, we should be very afraid. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of Musk, but I, because I, uh, I think he speaks out of both sides of his mouth, really. But uh, I, I do think that there are dangers, and it might not even be necessarily that danger that I would find most uh, ominous. Uh, I would be equally, uh, I mean, for example, look where we're going now with what appears to be a, a, a global coup by yeah. a very tiny elite. Before I shut up, can I, can I come in on that? And I, I'm going to shut up for the next five minutes. That's what I was coming to. In your opinion, is this scam and the, 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 the misery that is being inflicted on people at the moment and all that goes with that, COVID passports, everything, jabs and jabs and jabs forevermore, is that expediting this technotarian, to, to use the phrase you kind, yes. new world order? This is all deliberately expediting that. That's right. I, I brought the article to that point, but I didn't go beyond it because that would be to, you know, to speculate about Jackie Lowell's kind of views but yeah. certainly you can read that in in what he's what he's saying uh, and i certainly believe so i mean i think it's pretty clear now that what's going on is actually uh, an attempt to basically dispossess and enslave 
the vast, vast majority of the human race and create a new society in which we will be just living in hive cities and performing whatever functions and wired up to all kinds of surveillance and God knows what else. And that our lives will have no value to the people. Like democracy, we in the last 18 months, Richie, make no mistake about it, we saw the death of democracy in the last 20 months. Now it could be brought back to life, but it's dead at the moment. You know, we it does, it does need a Lazarus act to restore it. And I and that would be a very complex and convoluted process. And I've gone into it before. I think it's a very radical, far more radical than people think. It's not a question of giving us our freedoms back. That's a nonsense. If somebody takes away your freedoms, that means that they've basically enslaved you. Yeah. And you can't simply say, well, it's okay, you can go now. Please, you know? sir. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that implies, in my opinion, that all of the institutions of our societies, political, judicial, media, etc., etc., policing, need to be stood down, decommissioned, and replaced if we are ever to be able to walk down the street again and think, I'm a free man, I'm a free woman. So that's where I think that this is, has happened, this coup has happened. And I've no doubt that it is something along those lines. It's quite staggering. We've talked about bits and pieces of it, and we could talk about it in one program. You know, yeah. the meaning of it, the meaning of this, this, this extraordinary situation, which can express itself in all kinds of ways. Like it expresses itself in, the, in for example, a tiny way, you know, that you know somebody who all his life has annoyed you with his trendy liberal ideas. Now he's actually in favour of apartheid. I know, I know. They've turned, they've turned reality upside down. My my friend Mark Bayerski was on the program last night, and he said something along the lines of, "They've um, they've desensitised us to insanity, or something along those lines, or legitimised insanity." You're right. People who yeah. claim to be socialists are yeah. advocating Stalinesque um, ideas. Uh, you know, Chinese dynasty esque ideas of of controlling people's lives yeah. and what they can do. Which it is, is astonishing. Kind of, yeah, which is kind of in in what Jackie Lowell was saying because yeah. he was talking about all these conventions and declarations and and so on and constitutions and and uh, you know the League of Nations and the UN, all these kind of things that were supposed to safeguard our rights. They went overnight, and that's exactly what he said would happen once the technical the technical technological society reached a certain pitch, it would be decided, well, we don't need that stuff anymore. Now, that was a subterfuge to get us through the first phases. And here we are now, it's gone. Like, that's how radical it is. You know what I mean? Like, like I lived all my life, I'm, I'm 66 years of age. I was a journalist for 40 years, give or take. And, and I, I met a lot of pain in the artists, frankly, in, as journalists who were full of this stuff, right? They're yeah. all gone now. I don't know where they are. They're not in touch with me. They're not writing articles in the paper. I, I, I don't hear that they were on the TV last night declaiming de about the loss of democracy yeah. or freedom. They're not. Raging against the, the, the tyrants in, in Dole Aaron. No, it's just not happening. You, you said it, it earlier. I think you said earlier on what you've got now is the pretense of, of, um, of, of I suppose, some sort of uh, debate about this. The pretense of it, because you've got mates interviewing mates, yucking it up on radio stations. And right. guys like you, intellectuals like you, are banned from the international uh, airwaves. Disparage, disparage from a distance. They won't yeah. disparage me to my face, I can tell you, because I could actually, if I had the microphone for enough time, 
could shift this on its on its uh, in its foundations. But uh, you see, this is it. There's no like these people. You have to ask yourself then, uh, Richie, did they ever believe in anything that they were saying, no. or was it just kind of like a T-shirt that they wore, you know? Uh, to make to to full to fill out their identities, they got fat and they got comfortable. There's a there's there's a funny scene in one of the Rocky movies. Uh, this is going to sound childish and silly, but it's a funny scene. Um, it's the third film, and Rocky wants to fight Mr. T. And old Mickey, he's old uh, Jewish trainer. Mickey says, "the the worst thing that could happen to a fighter happened to you. You got civilized. Journalists yeah. got civilized, and they got comfortable, and they got fat arses and big cars and big houses." But when they were up and coming, a lot of these guys and, and girls, they, they, they had to be competitive and they had to be hungry for stories and for, for the truth. That, that might be a load of bollocks, but that's how I feel about it. Well, nobody, like, I, I know of, like, journalists, like, uh, you know, who are, like, champions of the working man. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 like, I mean, for example, just noticing there, and I saw a clip there last night of the Dockers, the people over there initially, you know, and they were, they were clos- closing down the, the lorry drivers and closing down the docks and, the police, like, the these men were standing there, ordinary, decent people like our fathers and our uncles and our brothers, right? Standing there fighting for their livelihoods and their families' futures. And the police officers who were paid out of their pockets were hosing them down with power hoses. Yeah. And I know this particular individual who would have ranted 20 years ago, would have been ranting about this on the radio every morning, right? Ranting, ranting, ranting. He's now on the other side demanding... Max mandatory vaccinations and yeah. pass, uh, vaccine passports and all kinds of apartheid and fascism. Because he knows that to to speak his mind on it means the end of his career and his cosy job and the fame, the little bit of fame yes. that that goes with it. And um, that's a tragedy because if enough of them said. Well, no, whether it be Nicky Campbell on Radio 5 Live, whether it be Adrian Childs over here, whether it be Naga Munchetti, whether it be Pat Kenny in Ireland or any of them, if they had the balls to say, this is dreadful, this, I, I can't be a part of this, that would go a long way to ending it. It would indeed, actually. You know, it would only take a couple of them, two or three. Yeah. In Ireland, two or three, say, senior journalists going, sitting behind a table in a hotel giving a press conference and, and saying how ashamed they had become of their profession and how shocking what was happening in our country is. That would, have, that would rock the state to its foundations. And all you have to do is do what you did, um, which is get your own blog, or in the case of Kenny, in the case of Ray Darcy or any of these people, just um, open your own podcast. Uh, exactly. You know, that's that's right, 100% right, John. Absolutely. Well, there's another factor as well, Richie. I mean, people say to me, I say this, like, and I say it about whether it's the police, the guards, or, uh, you know, whatever, judges. And they say, ah, well, you know, he has a mortgage. You know, I say, I don't care. Do you think, like, what do you think is going to happen to his mortgage if this works out the way that it looks like? Yeah. What's his life going to be like then? What are his children's lives going to be like? Like... There's, there's no it, there's no contest here between your long term sort of interests in terms of protecting your fundamental your country and the freedoms that you inherited and you know your paycheck at the end of the month. Now I know we all like to we'd all like to have good paychecks, but I had to let mine go quite a while ago because of this stuff coming down. I I I now see that this was part of a pattern that I was experiencing. I didn't realize it at the time. 
but it's all connected here in Ireland. I've no doubt about it. But this is it's extraordinary. And, and I, people, you know, people will say this to me as if I'd never thought of it. Oh, well, you know, he has a mortgage. I say, I don't care. I don't care. He, the chances are anyway that by the, this time next year, the entire money system will have collapsed. I understand you saying that you don't care. And um, no virtue signaler, B.I. But I, there, there's a bit more nuance to it. I think if you've got, you know, if you are the younger one that's presenting for BBC, RTE or some of the national commercials, if you are the younger one and you have a husband or a wife and you have youngsters in school and you do have a property in London or in Dublin and you're, you are mortgaged up the wazoo, it's, I, it is difficult. I'm going to give them that much. I know you're saying you don't care. I think deep down you do care because I think you're a human, you're a decent bloke. I'm I'm standing back and I'm looking at the full. The, the, I know the, you are, as am I, but it's a bit more complex. It I can understand. I, I, I get the yeah, point. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that in a year or so, it won't matter. I know it won't matter. Yeah. Do you think they know that? They don't know it. Yeah, that's the point. They don't arrogant, know. It. They're too arrogant yeah. to actually listen to people who are telling them. Because as soon as you start to say this stuff, they say, "Oh, conspiracy theory," as if they've invented the phrase. You know? Yeah, it's first time you've ever heard. Phrase has been put in their mouths by the very people who are doing this. You know, yeah. like, this is the end of the world, as we know it, if this continues. Craig says on, that we, we've, we get hundreds of comments coming through. I like to, to read out the critical comments when we get them, because it's only right and proper. Uh, the mainstream media doesn't do that, but we do it. Craig says, journalist buddies interviewing each other, just like this interview. Now, so there. Oh, yeah, I, I'm geez. not challenging you enough. I should be challenging you and... Getting well, stuck into what you're saying, but you're, but the, the fact really is, like, me, but I mean, the point. But I can't is, really. The point challenge. about it is this: that there, everywhere else on the media that I know, of, pretty much, it's the other side of the story. That's and right. Yeah, there. So that's somebody who's part of that, putting his spoke in, in order to disrupt the possibility that we will have any chance of having this kind of conversation in public. That's what that's about. There is a bit of that. And to be fair to, to this programme, I've had them on, um, you know, and I've invited them on, those who are with this agenda. I had Edwina Curry on this programme and she walked off the live interview because I was asking her questions that she couldn't answer. So I'm always willing to hear from the other side of it. Uh, but they generally tend to say, no, thanks, I don't want to come on. You're a crazy conspiracy theorist. But when they do come on, I always challenge them. And even when I bring people on who I've had, uh, you know, Dolores on, I've had Bakhdi on, I've had Andy Kaufman on, doctors who are on your side, John, and well, uh, and on my side, and I've challenged them. I've put the government's uh, point uh, of view to them, you know, as, well, as is my job, you know. That's the thing, Rishi. I mean, I, I, last night, or the, two nights ago here on, on television, they had this clown of a, a journalist, so-called journalist, who actually, he's, he, he, his normal work is apparently talking about reality television programs on a radio show. He, he, he reviews reality television shows. I'd rather kill myself, to be honest. And he was on uh, uh, berating people who weren't vaccinated. Now, he didn't know the first thing about it, and he wasn't actually asked any hard questions. No. But... That's fine. He's entitled to be on. He's entitled to have you speak, you know, if somebody wants to bring him on. But why was not the same, on the same program, how come uh, Bhakti wasn't on? Sutra Bhakti wasn't yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How come uh, Peter McCulloch wasn't on? 
How come Luke Montaner was, wasn't on? How come all of these people, Mike Yeadon, Geert van den Bosch, all these people who have been speaking the alternative truth, let's say, the optional truth, the other possibility, the other side of this, are not allowed anywhere near that. And then this guy hears one conversation between people who are not all on the same narrative message and he objects to it. He's being curmudgeonly, but he, he, he could also argue that he has a point because we bemoaned earlier on uh, the buddies interviewing the buddies on national and commercial radio. And to not, if somebody just, never heard us before wait, tonight, no, they might say wait, we're, we're, not, we're the it's same. It's not really a question of buddies. Uh, it's a question of rehearsed, of scripted interviews. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a scripted interview. No, it's you not. Could, and the first time I interviewed you, um, I I didn't give you a chasing, but the first time I interviewed you, I repeatedly brought it in and asked you, well, why are you so sure the doctors are so wrong? Why are you so sure? I did yeah. that. That was the first time we spoke, even though I fundamentally do agree with you. I suppose the difference between me and you and some of these idiots on the mainstream media is we're making no bones about it. I My listeners know, because I don't hide it, that I agree yeah. with John. Yes, but, but there's a more fundamental point. Yeah. Here. Richie, which is there is no equality of arms between me and the people I'm talking about. No, there's not. Of course not. They have absolute power over my life. I have no power over theirs. 100%. They are destroying my life. They are taking my property. They are taking my livelihood. They are taking my peace of mind, my serenity, my happiness, my hope, my children, my child's hope. Yeah? There is no equality of arms between that and what what I'm doing here today, speaking, answering back. Answering back, yeah. Let me, um, we're going to wrap up in about 40 seconds. I want to remind our listeners, John johnwaters.substack.com meant every word of it. Lyrical writing, you don't find it anywhere. You certainly do not get it in the broadsheet newspapers in the UK or Ireland. Read him. Buy his books. Give us back the bad roads. Be- begin with that. Go back to his books going back years ago. John, I'll give you the final word. 30 seconds. Uh, it's been brilliant. Do me a favour. Come back before Christmas. It'd be nice oh. to have a more spiritual conversation in the run up to Christmas. That. Yeah. Love so that because it's very, I think that's, that's it. Because, you know, we have to keep our, ourselves connected. This is what I would say finally. We have to keep ourselves connected. Not to hope because, you know, this is, you know, people say, you know, we need to, you have to have an optimistic message. There is no optimism at the moment, Richie. I don't believe there is any optimism. But there is always hope because the human spirit is strong and it can become strongest when it actually is under most threat of extinction. And we are moving inexorably closer to the possibility of the, our, our own extinction in individual terms and in the, to, the, to the extinction of our species. Because these people who are doing this are ruthless and they will not stop and they are crazy. And we need to wake up to this and stop listening to the Jeremiah's and the nonsense that has been peddled back. Is it is trivial, lib stuff that comes back when you actually start, as I say, to answer back to what you, is in effect absolute power. Mate, I'll be in touch with you uh, to book um, us in for a chat in December. Thanks again for your time today, thank John. You, thank you, Richie. God bless. Love, love having you on. God bless you too. John Waters.substack.com. Top man is John. Uh, read his articles there and uh, you won't go far wrong, in my opinion. Closing out the programme with uh, the Blue Oyster Cult. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to Jane Doe, spoke with us in the first there. Very important stuff. I will give out those email addresses tomorrow and again, and again, and again, and again, and next week as well. I've crashed the intro now like an idiot. See you tomorrow. Bye.